You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. All right. Can you hear me? Yep. Can you hear me now? Yes. Nice. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm old and tired, to be honest. Well, yeah, you'll have that. I feel the same most days. I am sleepy, like the amount of Major League Baseball transactions that have been transpiring. Yeah, well, we did get a couple this week that we'll have to get into. Yeah, yeah, that's part two. So this is Heath and Haji coming back with episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Um, I was going to work in a Star Wars reference, but I found out Haji is not quite the geek that I am. So to bring it up, I'm just going to leave it at that. So it's been a slow, slow news cycle for baseball. We're going to make it. We're going to make it work. We're going to we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame right off the bat and then mm-hmm. run into some news, which will basically be Haji talking about how awesome his brewers are. <laughs> We can only hope. I don't think the win projections went up very much, but it looks nice. Yeah, the excitement went up. The excitement definitely went up for everybody, not just Brewers fans, because we actually had some. We had a trade and we had a signing, and it wasn't dead like it has been. So after that, we'll do some breakout picks, and then we'll we'll tease the the upcoming catcher week at Fake Team. So perfect. That's the deal. That's the deal. So right off the bat. Does Haji have any strong takes about the Hall of Fame class, which was Chipper Jones, Vlad Guerrero, Jim Tomey, and Trevor Hoffman? What do you got? I agree with all of this. I think that it's uh, a really good class. Um, we were very close to uh, getting a fifth. Um, Edgar Martinez seemed to be tracking like he was going to get in. He ended up just short um, within 5%, though. So. Uh, maybe Edgar will get in next year. Um, I think it's a really good class, well-rounded. You know, you have um, a guy like Trevor Hoffman who got the counting stat in saves, uh, second most all time. You have the huge slugger in Jim Tomey with um, more than 600 home runs, part of the 600 home run club. I believe there's nine of them, so five are in now. Um, And then you have Chipper Jones who was just that, solid steady player for um the braves he could hit from both sides of the plate i think he hit over 300 for his career from both sides uh almost 3,000 hits and almost 500 home runs i mean he was just a do-it-all guy on a franchise that was very good and then you have vlad who nobody compares i mean maybe his son will someday but um you know he could do it all he could throw he could hit he could run um just watching the guy play was exciting and um, it's, it's nice to see that he got in, um, just a huge jump to this year. I believe he was up over 20% from his voting, um, from last season. So, um, great to see all these guys in. I don't disagree with any, um, no strong takes, but, um, a great class. And, um, hopefully, uh, we have another great one next, um, next season. 
what were your feelings on it? I mean, you have to love seeing Chipper Jones get in as a brave. Yeah, I think Chip was a shoe in and the the sad part looking ahead is that Fred McGriff is probably going to probably going to miss his shot next year unless something weird happens, but I don't know, I'm kind of a not like worry about the past thing. Like I like this I like this class. I don't think you can gripe about anything. The Trevor Hoffman makes me just feel a little bad for Billy Wagner, who I think is for three years, but I think his lack of uh, saves is going to hurt him, which is annoying because he, what were the insignificant stats like ERA strikeouts and it's in his whip category. I mean, he's, he's better than Trevor Hoffman. He just, he just doesn't have the same amount of saves. So I'm a little bummed for, for Wagner that it looks a little, it looks a little interesting. He's also got a lot of years left. So bad for Wagner. I just I brought him up because Mariano's on the on the docket next year. So that'll make it that'll make it rough for Wagner. So I just I love Wagner. I love the I love the high socks. Uh, uh, just just kind of nasty, nasty attitude. So I'm talking about somebody that didn't even make it in. But uh Roy Holiday too, he's on it next year. I've seen I saw a lot of people just saying that because of the the early tragic death obviously that uh people might be a little more emotional and a little more inclined to to push him through because he doesn't have the the world series resume that some other guys do but he does have two Cy Youngs and he does have two two no hitters um I kind of tend to think that voters are not going to be emotional by the time next year comes but maybe that's just me so those are my thoughts mainly like Mariano being on and then Hoffman getting in this year it just makes me kind of look at Wagner and think that I'm afraid he might get left out in the cold. So that was it. That's all I had. You got anything sure. else? Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can understand that with, with Wagner. I mean, it's just a different different type of coning stats, I guess. Um, Hoffman was around for so long and just so steady, and that was all he did. He closed out games. Um, and when you take that into consideration, you know, it's just those cumulative coning stats that go into the books and go on a resume. Um yeah, Wagner kind of, had two less two less years as well, and I think that two more. And I looked at it briefly. I mean, he could have had forty saves in in both of those two years to to match Hoffman's eighteen, and he still would have fallen a little bit short of that six hundred save threshold, which I think is what is also hurting him right now. Yeah, that's kind of the mark now. You know, you got two guys that that have it. Um, it it kind of looks like next year maybe. Um, Rivera, Halliday, and Edgar Martinez. Uh, do you think uh, position players like Helton or Berkman get in, or do you think they'll fall short? Um, I'm only seeing it as a three-man crew next year. Um, again, Rivera, Halliday, and Edgar Martinez getting in in 2019. What do you think? I don't know if I'm smart enough to to forecast all that. I do think Edgar is a shoe-in, and he even he even said after this year that he didn't think that he had a legitimate shot to get in this year. So I think he just enjoyed the ride up to over the 70% threshold. Um, I mean, Mariano's a no-doubter, but I think even Doc is interesting. I don't think that's a shoe-in. So I don't. I really have no idea. I mean, I think that, no, I, just, I, wish, the, I wish the ballots were public, but I might, be, I might be the only one in that boat. So on that, you think the ballot should be open or you think it should be 
Um, I'm okay with secret. I mean, we get secret. we get to see the yes and nos, and you know they they track pretty well on on the ups and downs and and the percentage of votes. Um, to me, it really doesn't matter who votes yes, who votes no. Um, you know, in a, in an age where everything with technology is so open and so available, it's it's kind of nice to have you know something with America's pastime still kind of hidden in the in the trenches, I guess, so to speak. But that's probably a topic for a different day. Yeah, I mean, my my main like frustration is similar to half of Twitter um, should be punished for being a designated hitter. I don't think Wagner should be punished for being loser. Um, I mean, that's the way the game was when those guys played. So I think you you have to match them up with their temporaries, and if they match up well, then in. I mean, that's why I brought up Wagner versus Hoffman because his ERA was better guys were better his whip was better i mean he just didn't have the amount of saves and he decided to quit baseball a little early to be a dad which i can't i gotta get behind so i mean he only he only played 16 years instead of 18 so some of the some of the stuff about oh he was just a dh or he was just a closer is is annoying who made the comment but somebody on twitter was saying like we're, we're not going to hear anything about the dh thing whenever David Ortiz is on the ballot. So, you know, we'll bring it up about Edgar, but we're not, we're, nobody's going to bring it up about Poppy. So sure. That makes annoying. sense. Um, I guess the thing I see with, with Halliday is the same argument you make for Wagner about comparing him to his contemporaries. I mean, the guy was the best at his position winning, um, you know, awards. He was the number one pitcher in his time. And I think if you're the best player in your era for any given time, you're a hall of famer. Um, you know, as, as we kind of talked about off the pod, can you tell the story of baseball by omitting that player? If you can't, they're a hall of famer. If you can omit them from telling the story or the history of baseball, then they don't belong. So I think Halliday was someone that pitchers of today really looked up to as they came up through the, the draft, through the minors, and now the start of their young careers. I think Halliday is a guy that a lot of them model after and, um, I think that he'll get a heavy dose. Probably, I would say around the eighty-five to ninety percent to get into the hall on a first-year ballot. Yep, I, I agree. I think that it's, I don't know if it's a hot take. I know some people feel this way, but you can't tell the story without Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Rafael Palmero. I mean, PEDs were a part of the game, so I think you just put them in, and you you have a little section of the Hall of Fame dedicated to. PED people, if that makes you feel better, but then you have to have a section dedicated to and whatever else. I mean, it, I don't think there should be that level of morality involved. Even Pete Rose, I mean, he's infamous. It's the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of... So that's just how I feel. I think we should move on. It's Hall of Fame. Z's. Sounds good. You ready? Yeah. I think that you should tell everybody how you feel about the big moves in the Brewers trading for Christian Yelich, freeing him from Miami. Now we just have to free Real Muto, but hopefully that'll be the next pod. But So Yelich to the Brewers. You have to give up Lewis Brinson and three others. I'm not even going to pretend like I know who Diaz and Harrison are, but I know that they are those three at least are in the top ten in Miami's farm system now. So you gave up quite a bit to get Yelich. And then right after that, you traded for Lorenzo Cain. So tell us, Brewers fan, how are you feeling? Well, 
when the news first broke, I was I was ecstatic. I mean, the Brewers are making a splash. They're making a move. You know, it's it's great. Um, however, the one thing that the Brewers have depth at is outfield. So you've gone from cashing in on some top prospects, which isn't always a bad thing when you're trying to make a move. You know, you it's like stock, I guess. You know, you you build them up and you cash them in. Um, so between Diaz and Harrison, I mean, there are those two are they were top prospects in the Brewer system. They're going to be to a much less talented Marlin system. And then on top of that, Lewis Brinson, who is 10 prospect, let alone the number one prospect for the Brewers, for a guy who is a proven talent at the MLB level. He has played uh, a few years already in the majors. Well, in them, I mean, he he puts up decent stats. He wasn't team, but that's because he was playing on a team with, um, but all over. Um, I believe it's um, that he's on a, on a deal for, and he's affordable. So it's a guy that they can continue to build around. This is a one and done move. And then on top of that, Lorenzo Cain as well actually sounded like for um, other types of um, contract for a guy 32 and a big part of his game is speed. But they're just kind of showing the totality and they're willing to uh, make that payment and kind of pay that Milwaukee tax like we had talked about in the last episode where you, you got to overpay a little bit to bring a guy in. Um, I think, yeah, so I think a ahead. few people said Kane was 32. He's, he's 31. He turns 32 in April, but it, I hear you. He's uh, his age and kind of random injuries, definitely related to running. I can get why that's a little mildly concerning, but you got you're so deep. Domingo, you've got Keon Broxton and Phillips to to back him up. So, I mean, I, I think I think Domingo's gone at this point. I think he's unless you're going to move Ryan Braun to first base, which I don't know. I don't know who said it on Twitter, but I started to salivate. I'm like, that would be a phenomenal lineup <laughs> if Braun went to first and your outfield was Santana and uh, Kane and Yelich. So, is that is that a possibility? Because I know Braun is not going to play second base. So, yeah, it would be a possibility to move. Hey, I don't know. Say that part again. He kind of blinked out for a second. For only reason you have at this point under contract, played well last in a backup position. He was the Venezuelan Fall League. Um, he really raked, and uh, he looks he looks set for a breakout year this year. Um, it'll probably be in limited or uh, platoon playing time, but he's going to be a guy that I think deserves some, some at-bats. So I think it's better to leave Braun in the outfield and um, kind of go after some pitching and relieve some of that outfield depth. Any, uh, any thoughts on who you grab? I mean, I know you, Chris Archer. I mean, I think that's the the big obvious trade name. I also saw Danny Duffy float around, so 
about your depth because right now you're looking at Chase Anderson and uh, a bunch of old guys, right? You got Gallardo and who else is there? I'm not up on my Milwaukee Brewers. I just know Jimmy Nelson's on the shelf until the summer. Yep, Nelson, uh, he had uh, a shoulder surgery, so he's out till at least the summer. Um, right now, as of what I've heard, um, three spots will be locked up. Chase Anderson, Zach Davies, and the newly signed Jules Jules Chassin. Um, so that leaves two spots open. Um, so you have guys like Woodruff or Junior Guerra. Um, they brought back Giovanni Gallardo, which isn't all that exciting. Um, and it sounds like they'll leave Josh Hader in the bullpen. So you have two spots open for young guys or old journeyman guys. Um, so that kind of leaves a lot of room to bring someone in. Uh, obviously, um, Chris Archer would be a great pickup for them. Um, I think he could eat a lot of innings. Um, he's a, a 9K per 9 type guy, and um, that's something they need, kind of that anchor for the rotation. Um, I have seen Danny Duffy as well, and I think he's on a pretty um, decent contract. Uh, I believe he's making $14 million in 2018. And he is signed through 2021. So if they could grab him, they do have a lot of control over him. That would get him through his age 32 season. Um, on top of that, the other names I've seen floating around um, this weekend have been Patrick Corbin for the Diamondbacks and Danny Salazar for the Indians. Uh, I think either one would be a, a great middle-of-the-rotation get for the Brewers. Um, they're not top-of-the-line ace starters, but... Really, you're just trying to to build that competitive team and uh, feel the rotation that can keep you in games because uh, that offense in Milwaukee they can they can pour some runs on. Yes, so Duffy, been a lefty, and then I'm pretty sure all your guys you've mentioned are righties except for Hater, right? I mean, it would make sense to me that they go after if they can. I mean, obviously you take Archer even if he's a righty. Who cares? But. Yeah, it would it be, seems it like it would be, awesome. be nice to have a yeah chop it yeah. up. It would be great to be able to get a left-hander in the middle of that rotation to kind of split up the right-handers. But you know, I guess beggars can't be choosers at this point. All right, so I mean, in general, we're we're super happy with Milwaukee. It's obviously exciting. Wise, I looked him up right now. Yelich is the number eighteen outfielder. If you look at Fantasy Pros, and Lorenzo Cain is at twenty-eight. Um. Pretty much, I think you're looking like into the fifth round right now for Yelich. While you can you can probably grab Kane. So, I think with all the excitement, there's there's probably a chance that I might get priced out of Yelich. Um, there's also a really realistic possibility that he's like the twelfth or thirteenth outfielder this year. Twenty three last year, but there's this big cluster after like twelve or thirteen where. Almost anybody can can come right out of it in in guys like McCutcheon, Chris Davis, and and Yelich and some others. So I mean, it, Justin Upton, just names like that where he's just right around and with his speed and average and that ballpark and that lineup, and you could definitely see him leaping through about nine or ten names. So I just feel like you're going to have to pay for like the higher end of his production. So I'm a little worried. I may, I might, I may wind up with the old man Lorenzo Kane, and that'll be how I get some Milwaukee Brewer outfield stuff. Yeah, I can. So, I, you got any I, thoughts I, on that? You prefer as a as a Brewers fan? Would you rather have Yelich in the fifth or Kane in the eighth? What do you got? I would probably value Kane 
a little more there based on the the lower price tag. Um, he's going to get you a good average. He's going to steal you some bags. And, you know, it's kind of all going to depend on uh, how they bat these guys. Um, you know, who hits second? Is Kane going to hit second? Is Yelich going to hit second? Uh, you know, that that's kind of something that will need to be brought to the forefront um, and kind of figured out to see how good these guys really will be. Um, I think Milwaukee runs a ton, so I could see Yelich's stolen bases jumping a good 50%. I believe he had 16 last year. I I don't see why he couldn't get 24 this year, you know, kind of be in that 24 to 30 range. Um, Council loves to run. Um, he loves to do hits, hit and runs, you know, put the ball in play, get that guy from first to third. Um, they're very active on the base paths, and um, I think that it shows in the moves that they're making. They're, they're going after these guys uh, with speed, and they're going to be an exciting team to watch. I, I mean, I know I'm a, a, a Brewers fan, but, you know, there's – Probably as much excitement right now this offseason as there there was in the offseason before their 2011 season when they when they made it to the NLCS. Yeah, I said it last time. I think that my Braves team is a year behind your Brewers team year that this year that you guys had last year, and then maybe this time next year we can be we can be making a big splash, but up on running. I mean, if you played DFS last year, you know that Milwaukee ran a ton. Um, Council's Brewers were were second in the major leagues last year in stolen bases with 128. Um, they were right behind the Angels, if you are wondering who was first. But Lorenzo Cain's career success rate is 83%. Last year, he was 26 of 28. And Yelich's career success rate is 80%. Last year, he was 16 out of 18. So both of those guys have wheels. And it does seem like Council is loading up to run the fire as some people on the base pass. So I love it. What's to say about it? I love it. So you got anything else? No. Move um, on? You know, just what I was saying, based on what you were saying, I would, I would say they probably would want Kane to improve by about 50% as well. So if he had 26, I could see him, you know, maybe around that 39 mark, you know, get him running. So you're looking at 39 stolen bases at eighth round value. That's pretty good in a in a five by five. Yeah, last year, what'd you say, 38, 39? Last year that would have ranked third in the major league. So that's pretty that would have been right behind this year's two big speed guys and D Gordon and Billy Hamilton. So uh Whit Merrifield, another former mention on the pod, was third last year with 34. So uh although if we did a bet on that, I probably would go underneath Kane getting to under 38 to 39 yeah i'd go i'd go under but we're not we're not betting we're good <laughs> so we'll save that for later maybe if they go after duffy they'll go after merrifield too. get another speed guy you mean you don't want braun playing second base <laughs> i don't know would you want to would you want the guy that failed at third to be playing second base oh he's trash i want to put him at first and leave santana in the outfield that's what i do but nobody asked me i, I yeah. would i would make him play first base and then Shaw goes to third, and Domingo stays in the outfield. And who cares who plays second base? I don't care. Perfect. Just, just rake. So, all right, moving on. Breakout picks. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. Like knee deep in catcher week at fake teams, and that's all I've been thinking about. Uh, I picked who's still a prospect, which is really terrible to do. So, I think that you should go first. Is <laughs> basically what i'm saying 
<laughs> you do, want me to go first? All right. Yeah, let's do your hitter and then my hitter and then your pitcher and then my pitcher and then we'll all right. We'll move on. All right. So my hitter to breakout is um, currently rated the number five prospect in all of baseball. Um, he came over as part of the 2016 or oldest Chapman trade um, between the Cubs and the Yankees. Um, my pick to break out for hitters this season is New York Yankees infielder Glaber Torres. Um, the kid was raking at AAA last year um, before uh, what should have been an inevitable call-up to the majors um, before an elbow injury sidelined him with Tommy John surgery. Um, with Gregorius kind of set in that shortstop role for the Yankees, um, second base and third base for the Yankees seems wide open, and Torres could fit into either spot. Um, for fantasy purposes, if he grabs that second base spot and he's second base eligible, uh, there aren't going to be too many bats that are better than him. I mean, you're going to have your big-name guys, your Daniel Murphy, your Robinson Cano. After that, this guy's kind of a, a pick to really break out. Um, he's just, he's got the power he's got. He hits to all fields. I mean, I was watching a highlight video of him, and he is going the other way with a ton. I mean, he sees the ball. He hits the ball really well. Um, I wouldn't be afraid to take a shot on him in a deep league or, you know, get him as a bench stash and see what happens. You can't go wrong. Who's your hitter? I am openly not a prospect guru. What's the, what's, if he say he plays for the majority of the year, what's a typical stat line? Like what, what could we see? Like, are we talking 15 homer, 15 stolen base type guy? Does he, Um, does he have a little, little bit of wheels? He, he's not going to offer much in the stolen base department. Um, so to put it in perspective last year, um, he hit 309. Um, and his plate discipline, his plate discipline is okay. Um, he, he's got about two strikeouts for every walk. So he's, um, he's not terrible, I guess, um, for seeing the ball, but he's going to probably offer you 20 to 25 home runs and, um, maybe a 285 to 300 average. So you're going to be able to be safe plugging him in there. And in a Yankees potent lineup, he's probably going to score a lot of runs too. I think the Yankees lineup is where we're paying the tax this year. Gary Sanchez is a good, good example of that sitting way up in the third round as a catcher, which just makes me cringe to take a a catcher in the third round. So yeah, but the, but it's legitimate in that, in that park and around that lineup. So I definitely understand it with Torres. So we're going to, I'm going to raise you. We both picked like straight up prospects. So we definitely went a little deeper. I didn't want to say somebody boring like Byron Buxton. I mean, everybody, everybody's all over that guy right now, which is why his ADP is where it is. So he's, he's a guy that I was really hoping I could land around like six or around six or around seven this year. And it looks like I'm probably not going to get the chance because I think you're going to have to draft him at the the higher end of his range of outcomes so for me i went i went a lot deeper and it's catch a week at fake teams this coming week so i I landed on francisco mejia for the cleveland indians and because the last two years the dude has raked he i think he had a 50 game hitting streak which is like the fourth best hitting streak in the minor league baseball ever he was it's the fourth longest hitting streak so, I mean, the, the obvious count for Mejia is Buster Posey. 
high range of his outcomes. He's a guy that can hit for average. He's got some pop. The Indians have played him at third base, trying to find a little bit more of an avenue to get him into the lineup. He has a big arm, so he profiles well. Well, if he can, if he can field, he has the arm to play third. He's a switch hitter, and he's not blocked behind the plate. I mean, defensively, I think the Indians are okay with Gomes and Roberto Perez, but offensively, neither of those guys is moving the needle. So I think there are multiple ways he could find his way into some opportunity, usurping one or both of those guys, or say Kipnis doesn't manage to stay healthy and they need Mejia at third, and then Ramirez goes back to second. I, I just think that between catcher and third and the, the lack of offense from Gomes and Perez, that I, I like his chances. And it's it's not like he's a young a young buck. He's like he's 25 years old, so at a time when we could see him in the majors and uh, doing a Buster Posey impression. Also, same the, the park factor doesn't apply, but I do like the surrounding lineup. So give me all the Mejia late in my in my drafts if it's a very long draft with lots of teams because you're, you're probably still not taking him in a 12-teamer last pick. Yeah, those are great points on Mejia. And um, I obviously wrote about him today. I have um, my article for top 10 catching prospects that will be coming out during catching week or catcher's week, excuse me. And uh, yeah, and doing some of my research, they had um, been trying him in the minors at third base kind of to open up that opportunity for him because I know they want to get his bat uh, up to the big leagues. So um, you're definitely not far off pace from that on the opportunity coming available for him to play something other than catcher just to get his bat in the lineup. And um, I think he's worth an excellent stash um, to a fantasy team, you know, take him deep and see what happens, um, especially in a two catcher league. I mean, he's going to be catcher eligible. So why not take the chance on a guy who had a 50 game hit streak could easily hit 300 in the majors and, you know, he's given him a Buster Posey comp. So, you know, you get that, that's got to mean something. I didn't give him the comp. The internet's did. Also, I lied. He is only 22 years old. So that makes me feel way better about, uh, about the prospect. So anyway, still Jan Gomes or Yan Gomes, however you say his name. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> Mejia. Who doesn't like to say Mejia? All right. So hitters, Torres, Mejia, moving on. I know that you have a deep name, and I promise you, I had to Google it after you said it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't live in Texas, and I just I never would have pulled it out of the hat. So, tell me who in the world this person is. All right. So, I think this off season, mostly everyone has heard of Shohei Otani. Uh, if you haven't, you've been living under a rock. Um, but that's not who my breakout pick is because that's just too easy. Instead, I'm going with a different Japanese star um, by the name of Miles Mikolas. Um, he was once in the MLB. Um, he had a short stay. It wasn't very good. Um, and he ended up going to um, pitch in the same league where Otani is coming from. Uh, he played for the Yomiuri Giants. And um, according to his stats in... 400 plus innings, he pitched to a 2.18 ERA um, and found out the benefit, I guess you could say, of getting early outs. Um, 
last season he was a nine strikeouts per nine guy, 1.1 walks per nine in 188 innings pitched. Um, it led him to a 14 and eight record with a 2.25 ERA. And I think that he may have figured it out. And I think he's worth, um, worth a shot to, you know, maybe be a, a, a late round pick in a fantasy um, community on a, on a fantasy league. And, you know, maybe get you some good ratios. Um, I think he'll come cheap because like Keith, you know, some, some people won't even know who he is on draft day. Um, so hopefully if you're listening to, to this, it, it led you into some inside information and um, you can get a step up, I guess, on your, on your competition. Yeah. I mean, I think I can safely say most people have not heard of Miles Mikolas and it, I mean, it, I got to listen to the latest fan pod today and we, we were plotting some of these names a couple of days ago. So, and they brought him up. So I, the point that they made was if you changed his name to something more uh, indigenous to Japan, then people in the MLB would be all over him. Just this, uh, this bias against him because he's already played in the States and failed. So people think that what he has produced over there is not legitimate. So, I think that taking a chance on him is 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 smart because his his ADP right now is is non-existent. I mean, you in a twelve-teamer, he is not going to be drafted in a fifteen-team league. I still think he's he's uh, rounding out the bottom of your rotation guy. I don't think you're going to have to pay much to get him. So, in the case, once we roll into spring training and he starts to look really good, if if that's the case, then obviously he'll he'll bump up quite a bit. But I don't. Right now, he's an afterthought, so he's he's free. He's yours. Yeah, and I'll I definitely like- be be taking him in um, any drafts where he's available. Um, I, you know, I, I think he learned a lot um, from some of the things I was reading. He he was a very immature kid in his original debut in the MLB. I mean, we're talking a guy about a guy who once ate a live lizard in the dugout in front of his teammates. Um, you know, I th- I think he went to Japan. I think he learned how to use his arsenal of pitches. I think he. He learned how to just pitch, and in that three years, he's also matured a heck of a lot. Um, I think he's worth a flyer, and he's my my breakout pitcher. Who do you got? Uh, before we say who I have, that makes sense now that his nickname is the Lizard Man or something like that. <laughs> I had no idea. Yep, there you go. Glad I could explain yep. that one to you. I'm going to have to like YouTube this guy and find out more about him. So I'm definitely going to own him now. You can't eat lizards and go unnoticed. So <laughs> thank you for bringing a name out of obscurity. Cause normally I know most of the names and it's not, it's not uh, arrogance or me trying to be annoying. I mean, it's just, I soak up a lot of this information and I, I kind of live on Twitter. So it's rare that I feel like a name pops up and I haven't heard of them. So that, that one is a good one. I applaud you. Hey, between the lizard and the mustache um, he's got rolling on baseball reference, this guy, he's perfect. He is perfect for a fantasy team. All right. Rock on. All right. So my my pitcher pick, I'm not gonna I'm not very high tech. I'm not gonna lie. I can't I can't get past uh, some obviously good things. Is a guy he's a guy named Brent Honeywell. He pitches for Tampa Bay, the team that we hope soon trades Chris Archer to Haji's Brewers which would open up a bit of a pathway for a guy that last year through double A AA and triple A 
struck out over 11 batters per nine innings. Do throw, he's got mid 90s heat on his fastball, and he throws a screwball that is death to left handed hitters. And this is purely like narrative. He plays for the Rays, and the Rays know how to develop young pitching. So that's my breakout pick, and it's super simple. I think that Honeywell is a little bit more well known than Miles Mikolas just because I've heard of Honeywell, but I still think that he's somebody that you can grab in the super, super late rounds of your draft and like the situation and still like like the part i think uh tropicana played a lot more favorably towards hitters last year than than what you might expect and i don't have the numbers in front of me but i I still i still like the part i like the team that's it young guy got some heat got a screwball plays for the Rays. should have more of a pathway hopefully with uh chris archer moving on so brent honeywell there you go i like it i like it any strong takes, yay or nay? No, I, your picks are great. I, you know, they would be guys that I would target as well. I mean, I'm high on Mejia, Honeywell. You know, if I could have him in dynasty leagues, trade for him. I, I've tried. You know, I know he's going to be a a solid pitcher in the big leagues. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to get hung up on any of these guys since you can have them so cheaply. And I'm always thinking about where am I going to have to draft them and Really, with all all four of these guys, they're going to be buried in your draft applets. Maybe Glaber Torres is a little bit slightly higher up, but none of these four are super high picks, which is why I really enjoy drafting with more teams than 12, and I love drafting with extra positions on my roster so that they're asleep or maybe not as well-informed or they don't listen to this podcast, then I can pick up what we've talked about. Mm-hmm. and. Beat them in the end when it counts. So league drafting with some extra roster positions. I love it. I agree. All right. Fourth and final topic. We are going to talk about some catchers very briefly and tease out the, the week at fake teams. I know in the morning we've got catcher rankings coming up with myself and Haji and Joe have all contributed. I'll have to check the check the drive tonight to see if we have any more. And uh, state of the position coming out. So all week next week is catcher week. So in honor of that, offered up two questions. One question being, and we're going to have some fun with this, which catcher would you most like to hang out with? And which catcher would you like to build a team around? So let's do let's do the first one first. And it's a little bit morose. I'm not going to lie. We, we both said, and we, and we had no idea. We didn't plan it. We both said that we would like to hang out with Evan Gaddis. Yeah. Because the guy went from being a custodian. Uh, he was a janitor prior to his uh, rise into the MLB. Had some substance abuse issues, had some suicidal ideation, went to rehab, um, homeless for a time. I mean, it, and the dude has gone from that to currently this year, signing a one-year $6.7 million deal with the Houston Astros. So, I mean, it complete and total, like, rags to riches story and my thinking was that guy would have to have tell and you would imagine that he would be like laid back and like just kind of fun to be around so it really surprised us we picked the same guy what do you have about evan gaddis yeah i mean just in some of the things i've read about him over the years um the things that you mentioned um i know that he really struggled with uh some mental issues uh kind of sounded like after the um 
divorce, his parents' divorce, um, really hit hard for him. Um, he kind of ended up going into a downward spiral there and uh, went undrafted out of college and um, kind of going off of the homelessness. Um, you know, I've read things too where he was begging for food on, on the streets of New York. Um, he, he had nothing. He, he was really down and out. And now he's become just a great player to watch. He's become, you know, a role model for kids. Um, and just, you know, it's cliche, but just what you said, rags to riches. I mean, this is the epitome of that. So I think he'd be an excellent guy to hang out with and just kind of listen, you know, whether it's stories or, um, you know, maybe he's, he's got some motivational things to say, you know, what kept him, um, in the game, you know, no pun intended, but what kept him going? How did he break loose from this? How did he uh, kind of let it go and, and get back on top, so to speak? Um, so yeah, Evan Gaddis, I, I think would be, would be awesome. So another cool nickname and you are not a Braves fan, so you may not know it. Do you, do you know Evan Gaddis's nickname? Any idea? No, I have no idea. What do you got? All right. It was, so I don't, I do not recall what league he played in, but they did not speak English there. I think that they spoke Spanish because his nickname is El Oso Blanco, ah. which means the white the white bear. Yep. Okay. I can see that. It is a nickname. But I don't think since he's gone from Atlanta, I don't you don't you don't really hear that anymore. So maybe he maybe he told the media to chill out with that. But but when he was a brave, it was a big it was a big deal. I mean it we had this big Hulk of a dude playing catcher that had this fantastic nickname and a great story. So I will I like always it. love me some Gaddis and Brian McCann, Houston Astros taking all my catchers. So yeah, shout out to the Astros. The I know, I know <laughs> next still, I don't know who they're going to get next. All right. So the second question, and we're going to have some fun with this one was, would you most like to build around if you were, I assume you mean if we're starting a major league baseball franchise, is that correct? Yeah. So I thought it would be kind of fun. You know, we're going to have positional weeks at faketeams.com. I thought, you know, we could kind of end our pods with a little fun and we can both take a, a player at said position that we would want to build our franchise from scratch with. I mean, it can be an older Yadier Molina. It could be a, a young Francisco Mejia, you know, and just kind of see then uh, as we go on, we can keep track and, and see what our franchise looks like as we um, just grab our cornerstones out of thin air, I guess, and um, build up a franchise and see what it looks like in the end. So um, with that in mind, I, I thought that uh, we'd get started with Catcher in honor of Catcher's Week, and um, I'd like to uh, have you start this one, and, and I can keep track on the side and see what the season brings us. All right, so we already know who we're going to say for this time, but I think for next time we have to keep this a secret because it it's basically like a draft. I mean, we we both could pick the same first baseman, especially sure. if you pick especially if you pick Freddie Freeman. So um, at catcher, my thought was to go young, but I also think that catcher prospecting in general is kind of a really terrible exercise to engage in. So I wanted somebody that was already established and that was well-rounded. And it led me to JT Real Muto for the Marlins. Free Real Muto. I think I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Mm -hmm. um, everything. Uh, defensively, he's got a strong arm. He can hit for power. He can run. 
and he is only 26 years old. And if you tell me that I have a catcher that is a plus on the base pass, I think that I just have one up on you. And on most other teams, like in general, like my catcher can bat lead off. Can you say the same thing for your catcher? Or respond to my take and then tell me who you have. Um, my catcher probably could hit leadoff. Uh, I'm not certain that you would want him to. Uh, but maybe a few years ago, he definitely could have been in that position. But um, he's more of a he's more of a number three hitter, I think. But um, I like your pick. I think he's um, a solid grab at catcher. Uh, he's young. He's versatile. You can hit him anywhere. Um, he's probably going to stick at the position, which I think is a, a great foundation. Um, in real life baseball, I hope he can get out of Miami and get onto a, a contending team, a better lineup, um, and really um, utilize his skills so that the casual fan starts to know who he is because I think he is worth that fame, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, nice pick. Um, I think you got a, a solid foundation there as your backstop. So my pick to start my franchise, as I was going through this, you know, I think the obvious, you know, any listeners probably like, well, you got to take Sanchez. Uh, he's young. He's powerful. He has probably taken over the number one spot for catcher rankings for this season. Um, he's on an excellent lineup in real life baseball. So if I'm going to build that for my franchise, you know, it's going to be the same thing he has on the Yankees. But instead of taking the obvious answer, I'm going to go the road less traveled. And I am going to take Buster Posey still. Um, I know he's older. Um, I don't see Sanchez sticking at catcher, though. I think in time, Sanchez is going to end up as primary DH, um, or he's going to get some play at first. Um, I would rather start my team with the clubhouse leader that's been there before. Um, Posey's got three World Series championships, I believe. And although he's 30, I, I won't have to worry about that position at all. It's kind of a, a plug and play. You know, Posey, you know what you're doing. Put on your gear, get out there. Um, let me worry about the rest of the team. So I, I think steadiness is going to be my first pick, and I'm going to go with uh, Buster Posey. Yeah, I mean, when you said, who do I want to build around for some of the same reasons that you mentioned about Sanchez, I, I also was thinking about somebody that would actually stay behind the plate. So hence uh, JT. So I don't, I don't think there's any way to argue with Posey. I'm not even going to do it. The only thing you could say would be age. Um, I do think you have some concern that he morphs into Joe Maurer as we go. I mean, it, you're not getting some of the power from Posey. But if you, I mean, clubhouse leader, defense, batting average, um, you know, hopefully he doesn't turn fully into Joe Maurer. But, you know, and that said, like, my my pick is not the most powerful catcher ever. So, I mean, I, it's hard to argue with Posey. I'm not I'm not going to do it, except that I just put him in the same breath as Joe Maurer. So. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. I don't – I mean, it, there's a little bit of a comp there. But, uh, yeah, I can't I can't dog it. I'm not I'm not going to do it. We'll we'll see we'll see what the ISO numbers look like for Posey this year. Fair enough. After we after we get all done, so I don't I don't know how we're gonna like score who has the better team. I think we just have to like put it out there at the end of it and yeah we'll just we'll track it just we'll see who just see who looks the best because I like I like I like approaching this from like a real world perspective. 
not a fantasy perspective, but there's no way to rate it unless we do the fantasy perspective. Because sure. if we were doing just that, I wouldn't have gotten the guy that is going to play for the Marlins. But well, yeah, I like I like thinking about it as if we're trying to build a team. But if you if you're going to build a team, you would have to have some guys that were older at other positions. So there are definitely going to be some positions where I may just take an older player because I like the player. So mm-hmm. age is not too massive of a deal right now because it's just it's all fantasy. It's all for fun. So. Sure. So we can both have Mejia as our backup, and you know, then if we have old guys, we got a young guy waiting in the wings. It's perfect. Oh, I think we have to treat it like a draft. Like if I take Mejia, then then you can't. Oh, that'll make it more. That'll make it more fun. Like next time, <laughs> okay. I'm not going to tell you. Next time, I'm not going to tell you who I'm taking for first base. I think you already told me because you're taking Freddie Freeman. But I may won't take or may not. Okay. Well, I won't take Freeman. May, may or may not. I mean, it's hard to argue with Freeman, but. We'll we'll see. I'm gonna I'll think about it. We okay. got a whole week. All right. All right. I think we're I think we're done. Do you have anything? It's late. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um no, I don't. Um I guess just uh let's hit on, on catcher week and, and see and kind of fade out. Yeah, so catcher week at fake teams starting tomorrow. We're gonna do part one of the rankings. So your top your top fifteen backstops. I know Joe has a state of the position. And from there, I mean, all week long, we'll be talking guys to target and avoid. I know Haji's working on some top prospects at catcher on Friday. I'm hoping we have some group posts about who to take, who not to take. Um, I'll probably swing in a little daily fantasy stuff. I think I'm the main geek when it comes to that around fake teams. So maybe that'll pay off this year. And that'll, that'll make my wife happy with all the time I put into this. But that's kind of an overlook at the week. You got anything else? Nope. Um, I'll get my my prospect article out for Thursday, and um, I think we'll have some player profiles as well, and then we'll move on to uh, probably first base the week after. So stay tuned, faketeams.com. We got catcher week coming up. Amen. Yeah, I'm taking Mejia. He's mine. Nobody gets to nobody gets to write that one. So, Fair all enough. right. Thanks, man. Thank you. Have a good, good one. one over there. Yeah, you too.